Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company, and I hope you'll check out the website johnsonsairconditioning.com. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Dominique Clemens. She is up at Hillsdale College. She also is the operations manager for the Florida Citizens Alliance. Look forward to our discussions with her. We'll also visit with Michael Cannon. He's director of healthcare studies at the Cato Institute. We'll also visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government, and Bill Barnett, the former mayor of Naples, will be joining us as well. It is October the 15th, and on this day in 1991, after a bitter confirmation hearing, the U.S. Senate voted 52 to 48 to confirm Clarence Thomas to the U.S. Supreme Court. In July, Thurgood Marshall, the first African-American to sit on the Supreme Court, announced his retirement after 34 years. President George Bush nominated Clarence Thomas, a 43-year-old African-American judge known for his conservative beliefs, to fill the seat. Thomas has been chairman of the Equal Opportunity uh, Commission uh, during the Reagan administration. In 1990, Bush had appointed him to the U.S. Court of Appeals. As the confirmation hearings for Thomas' Supreme Court nomination got underway, he evaded controversy over his conservative views on issues such as abortion by refusing to state a clear political position. He seemed headed for an easy confirmation after or until Anita Hill, a former aide, stepped forward and accused him of sexual harassment. Hill had served as an aide to Thomas at the Department of Education and the EEOC during the 80s, alleged that the Supreme Court nominee had repeatedly made sexually offensive comments to her. Beginning on October the 11th, 1991, the Judiciary Committee held four days of televised hearings on Hill's charges. Americans were shocked by both the frankness of Hill's testimony and the unsympathetic response of the all-male committee, some of whom were openly antagonistic to Hill. Thomas, meanwhile, denied the charges, and some witnesses called on his behalf cast doubt on Hill's character and mental stability. On October the 15th, the Senate narrowly voted to approve Thomas to the, with the, uh, his confirmation. Although the hearings left the Senate and the nation deeply divided, the episode uh, served to foster a greater public awareness of the problem of sexual harassment in the workplace. In taking over the seat of the liberal Thurgood Marshall, Thomas contributed significantly to the conservative character of the nation's highest court in the 90s and in fact, thereafter, after the turn of the century. He's a great judge. He probably is the best Supreme Court judge, in my opinion, right now, uh, doing a terrific job. By the way, the Section 230 thing is going to come up about the Federal Communications Commission and what's going on with with uh, Facebook and Twitter and Google uh, certainly overreaching their powers by avoiding the responsibility of what's published on their websites. Well, we'll be talking about that in a little while. But he's already outspoken about this and said he doesn't support. He thinks uh, their, this 230 thing should be reviewed by the Supreme Court. Justice Thomas, you remember he said it was a modern-day lynching, and it certainly was. Well, the uh, Florida Department of Health reported zero additional deaths and 50 new cases of COVID-19 in Cuyahoga County yesterday. As of the 14th, there's 108 positive coronavirus cases 
that have been reported in the Collier County Schools since August the 31st, the first day of school. The case uh, dashboard includes alternative schools and Collier County's technical colleges. Collier parents have a chance to switch their child uh, for the next quarter. They have to do it by Friday night at midnight. But they have to do, uh, the, their choices are right now to have brick and mortar schools. They can send them there or to a couple of other alternatives as well. And by the way, Baron Trump had COVID-19, but now he's testing negative. Boy, what a big young man he is. He's 14 years of age. He's taller than his dad. Uh, I think he must be about 6'6 by now. An overlooked study published recently by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention to suggest that cloth face masks or ma uh, coverings are mostly ineffective in preventing the threat of the Chinese virus as promoted by public health officials. Now you may remember that Robert Redfield, who is the head of the CDC, said in testimony to uh, Congress that uh, what protects his health and what protects everybody's health is wearing a face mask. Well, now the CDC is saying that, that this is not true. The researchers found that 71% of the case patients contracting the virus, despite reporting always wearing a cloth mask, and 14, another 14% contracted the virus despite wearing it often. Uh, the other 15% said they wore, wore it seldom or never. This indicates that 85% of the COVID-19 study participants contracted the virus even af after either always or often wearing the mask. This is an important study. I, I, we talked about this yesterday, and I kind of have this uh, told you so sense and feeling about this. So it's a really a security blanket for us, isn't it, to wear those masks? Because what the CDC is saying now, well, you know, it may give you some sense of security, but it's not doing you much good. I hope we'll lift the mask requirement here in Collier County. You know, I'm not saying we should be cavalier about the virus. We should all take precautions. But on the other hand, uh, we don't need the government telling us how to run our lives. We should be able to make those decisions for ourselves. It's no secret that the Sunshine State is known as a paradise with amazing beaches and theme park mecca that brings in tourists. Beyond that, we're officially listed as right now on the Paradise Coast, the best place to live and retire. This, according to U.S. News and World Report, recently released rankings for the best place to live and retire uh, this year, 2021. Joe Biden called uh, a lid at 941 yesterday morning. That's why, of course, you shut down contact with the press after Rudy Giuliani and Steve Bannon dropped the October surprise on his campaign less than three weeks until the election, uh, and Joe Biden has called a lid in order to avoid the questions about the new smoking gun emails released. The New York Post re reported yesterday that a laptop computer abandoned at a Delaware repair shop contained emails between Hunter Biden and senior Burisma advisor that indicate Hunter Biden arranged a meeting between his father, then Vice President Joe Biden, and the advisor in Washington, D.C. in 2015. Joe Biden is going to hide all day in the Delaware basement so he doesn't have to answer why he sold out his public office to enrich his family. Biden previously came, I never have spoken to my son about his overseas business dealings. Well, of course, that's just not true. And about that story, oh, by the way, uh, Biden, Joe Biden denied that he ever met with a guy, but uh, now he says, well, maybe I did. I'll have to think about that. And I, poor Joe, old Joe doesn't remember much, but uh, it wasn't in his quote unquote official calendar. Well, Twitter is now preventing the posting of the New York Post article on Hunter Biden's emails. The article was published Wednesday morning. 
Earlier in the uh, day, Facebook announced it was limiting distribution of the Post article. Attempts to post the article to Twitter Wednesday afternoon are being blocked with a message saying, we cannot complete this request because this link is identified by Twitter or our partners as being potentially harmful. Visit our help center to learn more. Hmm. So here's excerpts from the uh, New York Post article, <laughs> which, by the way, by doing that, that's only urged people to look at the New York Post website and see if it, what, what they're trying to hide. Hunter Biden introduced his father, then Vice President Joe Biden, to a top executive at the Ukrainian energy firm less than a year before the elder Biden pressured government officials in the Ukraine into firing a prosecutor who was investigating the company. That, according to emails obtained by the Post, the never-before-revealed meeting is mentioned in a message of appreciation that this guy, Posharsky, an advisor to the board of Burisma, you know Burisma is where Hunter went to as a board member for over $50,000 a month, $83,000 a month, I think it was. He allegedly sent Hunter uh, on April 17th, about a year after Hunter joined the Burisma board as, uh, at a, a high salary. Dear Hunter, thank you for inviting me to D.C. and giving me an opportunity to meet with your father and spend time together. It's really an honor and pleasure, the email, email reads. An earlier email from May 2014 shows that the same guy reported uh, Burisma's number three executive asked Hunter for advice on how you could use your influence on the company's behalf. The correspondence, which flies in the face of Joe Biden's claim that he never spoken to my son about overseas business dealings, is contained in a massive trove of data recovered from a laptop computer. That's kind of ironic. Apparently, the computer was just abandoned at this shop. The guy said he took a look at it and said, hey, this stuff looks suspicious. Tried to contact people about it, and uh, nobody took an interest. Finally contacted uh, the president's attorney. Rudy Giuliani, and he said, boy, this is interesting. We should take a look at this. Anyhow, Twitter CEO Jack Dorsey addressed the controversy surrounding the company uh, they took uh, to block the uh, spread of the uh, article, the New York Post article. He said that it was unacceptable. The tech giant claimed that it took uh, action against the article due to company's hacked materials policy. Twitter's blocking the post from being shared on its platform. News of Dorsey's comments came after Representative Ken Buck, a Republican from Colorado, sent a letter to the Department of Justice asking to look into the censorship tactics employed by both Twitter and Facebook, which he'd also taken steps to uh, limit the article's reach uh, while uh, intimating that the story needed fact-checking, and it certainly does. So uh, it doesn't, I should say. Jack Dorsey, his... Uh, this is what I think is a crime, is they're taking the liberty of deciding to censure some people by, uh, and not others, and they're doing it in a fairly cavalier manner that kind of measures up with the political alignings of the company, which are extremely liberal. And uh, it's, not, it's not right, and it needs to be corrected. This is the Section 230 uh, that I refer, referred to in the FCC. Uh, Section 230 goes back to the 90s when the Internet first came out. They could have never imagined what would have happened with the Internet at the time. So it needs to be reviewed by Congress. But further, uh, it needs to be reviewed by the uh, Department of Justice. Now, oh, by the way, the uh, Senate Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs Committee is investigating these emails as well. Uh, so perhaps they can help get to the bottom of this as well. They can't prosecute, but they could at least reveal, which I think would be very helpful to the American people. 
This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Coming up, we're going to visit with Dominique Clemens. Look forward to the conversation with this young lady who's at Hillsdale College. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabees Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabees Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabees Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for look, uh, joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York style theater at its very best and now building a new performing arts center in downtown Naples. You can find out more by visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Michael Cannon. He's the director of healthcare studies at the uh, Cato Institute. Right now, we have with us, as I mentioned before the break, Dominique Clemens. She is uh, the uh, operations director, manager at the Florida Citizens Alliance. Dominique, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Always a pleasure. Tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance. Sure. So, the Florida Citizens Alliance, for those of you who aren't um, aware of us, we're a 503. 501 C3. 501 C3. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, Grassroots organization. And we're really, really trying to help students create and find a better education and help inform parents. So right now, um, because of coronavirus, we 
have so many opportunities that people aren't aware of um, because parents are finally seeing what's in the schools. And um, so, you know, something that I've been really trying to do, I just came on board with Florida Citizens Alliance full time. Um, So really, really trying to just um, focus on getting kids out of public school and trying homeschooling or different alternatives. Um, And so, so, with the Florida Citizens Alliance, something that we've really, really tried um, to push and we will be pushing this legislative cycle is um, the opportunity that scholarships could now be possibly applied to online schools yeah. um, rather than the virtual school. So these are some things that we're looking at and, um, and, and just really encouraging parents to take that next step because I think a lot of them are on the brink of that. Yeah, so just to, uh, to amend perhaps what, what you said, I actually am one of the founding members of the Florida Citizens Alliance. I'm very proud of it. Uh, actually, uh, the, uh, the Florida Citizens Alliance has done a tremendous job of helping to amend our school uh, public school policy in Tallahassee. Great relationship with legislators. Great relationship with the uh, Commissioner of Education, and uh, and making great progress with doing that as well. So, offering parents alternatives, you know, like for example homeschooling, but also trying to working to improve, for example, Common Core, which was a. Uh, Actually, the governor said no more Common Core and put in some new education standards that, of course, are a lot more healthy and uh, followed with a better curriculum. So doing a great job in that area as well. So tell us about you have a new website right now. I think it's called Liberty Scholar, if I'm not mistaken. Maybe you can tell us about it. Sure. I just created Liberty Scholar when I was coming on board with Florida Citizens Alliance full time. And what this website is, and it's still a work in progress because I want eventually for it to be just jam-packed full of really great resources for parents, but we're partnering with organizations that have already created um, really great curriculum, really great material, and then we're going to be remarketing that through one website, and it's specifically for Florida parents. So we have the Florida scholarships on there, we have videos on the U.S. Constitution, we have um you know, short books on U.S. history, things like that. But then we also have full curriculum, such as um, we help promote classical conversations, Freedom Project Academy, which is a really great homeschool option where the parent doesn't actually have to be the primary teacher. It's online. Um, So just trying to give parents those opportunities, because really what's happening in the education system, and I see it more and more every day, I'm hearing especially with, you know, 1619 projects, all of these things, school is becoming a place of socialization with the social emotional learning. And kids aren't actually being taught just the basics of reading, writing, arithmetic, and they're being sent off to colleges, like, you know, without any kind of, um, you know, assessment of what their actual skills are. And I was a public school student. And so I kind of went through that struggle of, really feeling unprepared by Mm -hmm. the school system. So I think right now parents are starting to realize, wow, my kid's not actually ready for college. Um, And so what we're trying to do is help Florida parents through Liberty Scholar um, get all of the information that they could possibly need. Okay, so so what is the website? It's libertyscholar.org. LibertyScholar.org. I'll point out to our listeners yes. that Dominie is a graduate, I think it was Naples High School, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Gulf Coast High Gulf School. Gulf Coast High School, I apologize. And went on to That's Hillsdale okay. College, uh, which is 
one of my favorites. He's got a great education up there. Actually up there right now practicing and, and singing with the choir, which is just terrific as well, Dominique. Must be back. Uh, nice to be back at Hillsdale. It is. It definitely is. Yeah. So you have your ear to the ground with what's going on in education. As you pointed out, many parents are starting to look at homeschooling. Now that they've, uh, with their kids at home, they've been taking a look at what their kids are learning and are saying, holy cow, mm-hmm. this is <laughs> this doesn't look good at all. So parents are beginning getting disturbed one by one and uh, also making, for example, only 60%, I think, of kids are going to brick-and-mortar schools right now. So they've got to be looking at alternatives as well. Uh, oh, what yeah. do you, what are you hearing? Well, um, you know, I'm I'm hearing that parents are just really really frustrated, and and the one thing that keeps popping up lately. So, you know, the of course Common Core was the big subject back in the day, but right now, parents are finding so much of this really really um, disturbing sex ed curriculum and that's what i really encourage parents to look out for look Mm. through all the books it's really starting to come in in a comprehensive manner where they're teaching sex ed in every single subject and and this is really really dangerous and something the florida citizens alliance has been um really paying attention to specifically because um we've we've been working with groups that also um focus on human trafficking and so we're starting to teach children there's um 27 states now that are starting to implement what's called cse or comprehensive sexual education they're starting to lower the age of consent they're starting to lower um very very um graphic knowledge and materials to really really young kids starting at age four and so that is something i just urge parents start looking for those kind of materials um, and and make sure that you are voting um, against this comprehensive sex education when it comes to your area. Yeah, well, and I might point out that uh, many of our listeners don't have kids in public schools, but they are taxpayers and mm-hmm. should be concerned about the curriculum too. So uh, this is a, yes. we should not be apathetic about what's happening in our public schools. And I just really appreciate the terrific work that the uh, Florida Citizens Alliance is doing in this regard. Dominique, again, it's a, uh, LibertyScholar.org? Yes. LibertyScholar.org. And, of course, you can visit the major website, a very robust website, GoFLCA.org. GoFLCA.org. Dominate, just genuinely appreciate uh, your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. My pleasure, indeed, up in uh, Hillsdale College. What a great young lady. Uh, she actually wrote a paper about public education while she was at school uh, with these same critiques. So interesting. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Michael Cannon. He is a, a director of education, or I should say, healthcare studies at the Cato Institute. We're going to do that more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Blueprint. 
Provence restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the Intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Shore Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgrowing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on the board, and I hope you'll check out VFGA.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now, we have with us Michael Cannon. As I mentioned before the break, he is the director of healthcare studies at the Cato Institute. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Bob. Always a pleasure. Tell us about the Cato Institute. The Cato Institute's a libertarian think tank in Washington, D.C. Uh, we try to take a consistent stand for individual liberty, regardless of what this party or that party says. We're neither of the right nor the left. We uh, are neither Republicans nor Democrats. We try to, uh, as I say, provide a consistent voice for the really the principles of the American founding, which are individual liberty, limited government, free markets, and peace. Terrific organization, Cato.org. That's why I have so many guests on from the Cato uh, Institute. It's just a terrific organization. Cato.org is the uh, website. So, Michael, certainly health care is in the news and in the politics right now. I understand that you have a new study that's coming out. So that's going to be coming out uh, next week on Tuesday. Uh, it's a study about unnecessary prescription requirements that the government imposes and how those reduce access to really essential medicines and uh, end up costing lives and making patients less safe rather than more safe, which is their intended effect. Holy mackerel, that sounds really interesting, Michael. Look forward to discussing that with you next week. Uh, but in the meantime, I mean, are, are you suggesting there's some things that we should be able to buy over the counter and not necessarily with a prescription? 
Well, that's right. So, you know, and there are a lot of drugs that are safe for consumers to purchase directly without a prescription. Uh, and they can do so in lots of other countries, but the Food and Drug Administration in the United States does not allow them to do so. And a couple of examples are insulin. You can buy insulin over-the-counter in Canada, but the FDA imposes prescription requirements on most forms of insulin in wow. the United States. Other examples are naloxone, which reverses opioid overdoses. Uh, it's a life-saving drug that has really no harmful side effects, but the FDA restricts access to it uh, by making you get a prescription, which likely costs many, many lives, uh, by preventing people from reversing opioid overdoses. See, this is... And the list goes on and on from there. You know, there are a hundred countries in this world where you can buy oral contraception without a prescription, uh, including communist China and Cuba, but the United States stands with Saudi Arabia as one of the countries that requires women to obtain a prescription. Well, so we're going to talk about this a little bit more next week, but it sounds so interesting. But I will say it underscores uh, what happens when we get the government so involved in what should be uh, a, ma a matter uh, for the private sector. And uh, this is a consequence, I think, of it. I'm going to guess about half of our health care is now socialized. I would say it's more than that because the government accounts for 50% of healthcare spending, which means that uh, it, it controls half of our healthcare sector directly. But then there are all sorts of other controls that the government places on the healthcare sector, either via regulation, uh, which is another form of direct control, or uh, tax penalties that uh, punish us if we don't spend our money the way the on healthcare the way the government wants, which is an indirect form of control over our healthcare sector. And uh, another way to uh, uh, socialize the, 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 the cost of health care. So I would say that we're well beyond 50% uh, in terms wow. of how socialized our health care sector well, is. Well, th this is why I think these conversations are so important. And this is why I think uh, the president uh, working so hard to, in, in my view, to try to get a, a handle and rein in on uh, health care. Uh, reform or to make health care reform actually occur. Now, if you're watching at all these Amy Barrett, uh, Judge Amy Barrett uh, hearings, so we're hearing that uh, the Obamacare is the big, uh, the Affordable Care Act is the is the big issue, one of the two, two issues anyhow, that uh, the uh, liberal Democrat uh, members of the, of the subcommittee are, are whining about. And uh, first of all, it's my opinion. I don't think that uh, really that, that the health care, the Obamacare is being overturned by the Supreme Court. I think they're looking at some of the issues within Ob um, Obamacare. What are your thoughts? So there is a challenge to Obamacare that is before the Supreme Court right now. The court's going to hear that case on November 10th. And President Trump has said he wants Judge Amy Coney Barrett confirmed and sitting on the Supreme Court before that happens, because he figures that the court is more likely to overturn Obamacare if she is on the bench. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, and certainly Democrats have been playing up that, uh, that hope of the president's, but I will tell you, Bob, I, don't, I would not be surprised if the Supreme Court ruled nine to nothing against the plaintiffs in this case. Hmm. Because in my view, this is a very weak case. Uh, the the plaintiffs don't even have standing to challenge it, which means they should, you know, the, the no court should have taken this case seriously in the first place. But uh, because there's 
the, the mandate that they're challenging doesn't impose any injury on them. But even if they did have standing, even if there were that injury, the Congress, the, the court should not overturn Obamacare in this case because the Congress has already effectively severed the mandate from the rest of the law. And so if Congress, if the court wanted to find that the mandate is somehow is unconstitutional, mm-hmm. they could just uh, and, uh, strike down that mandate and leave the rest of the law in place. Hmm. Now, Bob, you know me. You know that I'm no fan of the Affordable Care Act. Mm-hmm. I think it's unconstitutional. Uh, in fact, I don't think the Affordable Care Act is law anymore. I, I think that, that the Supreme Court and the uh, Obama administration changed that law by fiat outside of the legislative process so much that it's no longer the Affordable Care Act is what we call Obamacare. And so I think Obamacare is even more unconstitutional than the Affordable Care Act and should be struck down. But you don't just shred the rule of law to do that. Yeah. And that's what the plaintiffs in this case are asking the Supreme Court to do. And I don't think the court will do that. I would not be surprised if the court voted nine to nothing against the president's wishes. Okay. Well, that makes, you know, what you're saying makes sense to me. And I'm so grateful for these conversations because we're talking about policy and we're not talking about politics here. But nevertheless, these issues are so political. Now, my view is that Obamacare uh, has mandates that require you know, coverage of things that don't even make sense. It's kind of the Cadillac plan to go back to the description of a uh, group health insurance. Uh, that's my thought. Anyhow, I would love to see some pared down policies that just allow people to have a choice of what kind of coverage they'd like to have. Are the Obama is Obamacare still creating restrictions for the purchase of insurance? Well, it sure is. And one of the things that we talk about in the study we're releasing next week is that is one of those restrictions. Obamacare requires uh, basically all, everybody who has private insurance to purchase full 100% first dollar coverage for all FDA-approved forms of contraception. Now, some people find that morally objectionable. So right off the bat, there's a problem there because you're forcing people to pay for things that they believe are immoral. Uh, but there's an even bigger problem. Uh, well, I should say there's another problem, mm-hmm. uh, which is that if what you're trying to do is expand access to uh, to contraception, that's a terrible way to do it. Because if you look at the the numbers, what happened to the price of oral contraceptives as soon as Obamacare completely insulated consumers from the cost of of those items? The prices skyrocketed. Before Obamacare came along, the price of oral contraceptives was falling relative to inflation. So the price was actually going down and it was becoming more accessible. But since Obamacare completely insulated everyone from the price, manufacturers of these drugs started jacking up the price because they knew they could. And now the price of oral contraceptives has uh, basically doubled uh, since before the Affordable Care Act tried to make it, quote unquote, free. And so, uh, so there are all sorts of these mandates in Obamacare that uh, both violate people's you know, basic fundamental values, but also end up having the opposite of the intended effect, which is they make health care more expensive and less accessible rather than less expensive and more. Yeah, so this is, again, the, uh, the government imposing its will on uh, what should be a free market 
decision. And prices will go down if, in fact, we have number one choice and, and number two, uh, transparency, quite in, in my opinion, and it'd make it patient-centric as well. Mike, we have so much more to talk about. I really look forward to our conversation next week. Again, Michael Cannon, he is the Director of Healthcare Studies at the Cato Institute, Cato, C-A-T-O.org. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Bob. Always a pleasure. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the uh, Bob Harden uh, Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I could only imagine. Imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs, at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobhardenathotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. And you can find out more by visiting golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Bill Barnett. He's the former mayor of Naples, always has great comments on what's happening around the world, and especially here on the Paradise Coast. So President Trump has uh, held a MAGA, a MAGA, should say, Make America Great Again rally in Des Moines last night in Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, thousands of supporters were waiting for President Trump all day in Des Moines. Uh, Trump going full steam ahead on the campaign stop as we head into the final home stretch. Just, what is it, 19 days left now. Trump held a massive rally in Florida on Monday. He was in Johnstown, Pennsylvania last night and in Iowa uh, last night. Meanwhile, Biden put a lid called a lid first thing uh, yesterday morning after the New York Post published its explosive revelations from the Hunter Biden's hard drive. 
Air Force, Air Force One landed at 6.08 p.m. and the crowd went wild. President Trump wasted no time and ripped into Biden over the New York Post bombshell report on Hunter's emails. Uh, again, he's just on fire, and he's he, like he did last time. He's not going to leave uh, anything. He's going to leave it all on the field uh, going up into November 3rd. I mentioned this earlier, but Justice, uh, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas argued that Section 230 of the FCC Act, of the Communications Decency Act, is applied too broadly to social media companies in a recent letter. The law, which passed at the beginning of the dot-com era, allows Internet companies to avoid liability for content that's been posted by the users on their platform. According to Thomas, many courts have construed the law broadly to confer sweeping immunity on some of the largest companies in the world. According to a report by Axios, Judge Clarence Thomas suggested that Section 230 of the CDA should be narrowed, certainly should. Section 230 grants broad legal protections to social media companies with regard to the content posted by users. Uh, when Congress enacted the statute, most of today's major internet platforms did not exist, and in the 24 years since, we've seen uh, never interpreted this provision, said uh, Justice Thomas. But many courts have construed the law broadly to confer sweeping immunity on some of the largest companies in the world. Bright Not Bart News reported in June that the Department of Justice was preparing a proposal that would repeal Section 230 of the CDA. A reversal would likely have major impact impact on popular social media platforms like Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. So, uh, you know, if they lost, if they lost Section 230 coverage, it basically means they would, could be responsible for anything that's posted on their platforms. Not sure that's fair, but certainly using their power right now to uh, favor, for example, what they're doing is uh, not allowing the publication of the New York Post office, uh, uh, article about Hunter Biden and uh, this hard drive. So uh, they're using it to for editorial purposes, for political purposes, and not for the purpose which is basically not holding them accountable for thing that's a stupid thing that somebody might post, something that might be objectionable. So uh, they should be held re accountable for objectionable material, uh, sexual and so forth, but certainly they should not have the power they're having right now. I hope uh, that Justice Thomas's Wishes will end up in the Supreme Court and the Justice Department will see a limitation on these powers. As we mentioned earlier in the show, we're going to have uh, the Department of Homeland Security Committee in the uh, Senate looking into this as well. Well, the U.S. Supreme Court on Tuesday disagreed to decide whether more than 100 technology disputes must be reheard because judges were unconstitutionally appointed to the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office Tribunal in a case arising from a medical device patent challenge. The justices said they would review the a 2019 lower court decision that found a constitutional defect in how patent trial and appeal judge, judges are appointed. That ruling came in an appeal by a privately held Florida-based medical device company, Arthrex, which is right here in, in uh, Naples, of a patent tribunal, three-panel judge decision that invalidated part of one of its patents that has never been challenged by British-based rival Smith & Nephew, PLC. So this is a big deal, uh, actually, that, that we have these tribunals in the patent office is ridiculous anyhow. It should be part of the judicial department. department. And certainly it, what this allows now is for the executive branch of government, which uh, President Trump uh, allows these judges to be appointed in the executive branch and, and make decisions that affect major 
uh, portions of the patent law. So I think it's a good idea that the Supreme Court has taken a good look at this, uh, and uh, that, that should be coming forth in this next session. Well, let's face it. I mean, Joe Biden generates no enthusiasm, makes no makes frequent gas, and simply just doesn't have the energy for a full schedule of campaigning. It's smart for him to spend much of his time hunkering down in the basement. It's also smart for him to hide much of what he intends to do. After all, it's not as if the mainstream media is going to demand to know what the next president of the United States intends to do if he's elected. Still, you deserve to get a rough idea of what Biden's presidency would look like. And so here it is. But be forewarned, it's not pretty. Joe Biden is 77 years old and seems to have difficulty working a full day, and that's rather famously and significantly deteriorated his mentality. He's very and obviously physically and mentally capable of handling a job as demanding as the presidency. I wonder if this is Seton Motley. He was scheduled to be our guest. Well, let's see. Hello, Seton. Is that you? Seton, is that you? Well, I don't know what that was, so we're not going to worry about it. Anyhow, uh, Joe Biden is, uh, also has been in politics since 1972. Do you think someone who's been in office that long without accomplishing much is going to sweep in and change everything for the better? I don't think so. He's also promised to halt all construction on a border wall, cancel the bilateral agreement with Mexico that stops many illegals from coming here, end deportations for anyone other than felons, and push through a massive amnesty for illegal aliens. Joe Biden also plans to ban the sale of uh, AR-15s and demands that owners of them sell them back to the government or sign a gun, uh, gun registry, again, infringing on our Second Amendment rights. Biden has publicly said he no longer supports the Hyde Rule, which prevents federal money from being used for abortion. Put it in another way, he intends to use your tax dollars to kill babies, in my opinion. Biden has also noted that he's open to locking the country down, again, over coronavirus, which, by the way, the World Health Organization has come out against. Biden says numerous times that he intends to ban fracking. Of course, he's denied that vociferously. He's also extend, extremely liberal. He car- his career ACU rating is 12.67%, meaning he only agreed with conservatives 12.67% of the time. Joe Biden, who has a reputation for putting his hands all over one, was credibly accused of sexual assault by Tara Reid, his former aide. He also publicly admitted that he has advised Obama not to go through with the raid that killed Osama bin Laden. Uh, He's electing Joe Biden after months of rioting by liberals. In liberal cities, will send a message that Americans are okay with this kind of behavior. Biden also and his VP Kamala Harris refused to say whether they will attempt to add more justices to the Supreme Court. And then Biden has signaled that he's open to getting rid of the legislative filibuster in the Senate, which is extremely dangerous and has the potential to destabilize our republic. So we have a lot to be concerned about with uh, 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 presidency of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris as vice president. Clearly, in my view, they are uh, uh, sheep and wolf's, uh, uh, wolf and sheep's clothing coming in. It's kind of a Trojan horse to mix metaphors uh, to bring along this progressive agenda, which is going to be so damaging uh, to our country. Uh, we need to take seriously our responsibility and option to vote on by November the 3rd. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Naples' former mayor, Bill Barnett, That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. (laughs) 
And stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It's a moral imperative, and you can find out more by visiting thefga.org. We have with us the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Well, Bob, always a pleasure. Thank you, Bill. Hey, big news. Uh, we again, I think this is a, the third or fourth, fifth time we were named the best place to live and retire in the Uni- in Florida and in the United States. Yeah, I saw that last night. Pretty um, I, I, I think that's, uh, that's pretty incredible. We got fourth on, on, on one list, if I could understand it, and first on the other. So I didn't quite understand the correlation between Sarasota and us and whatever, but all I know is it said we were the best. We were number one, which is great. Yeah. And, and you know? Not, 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 and also, just to add that, that we were also voted, I think, the healthiest and happiest community in the United States as well. Right. And we, and you know, I was so involved with that, with the with Blue Zones and having a part in that, which makes me really happy to see that. What's, you know, hap- what's um, happened to Blue Zones, uh, Bill? Well, I think they kind of been on hold for a while with the pandemic because you can't, you know, you, the Blue Zones is all about the groups and 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 uh, moais and walking and uh, um, so I, I I think it's I think it's been on hold um, until you know they can start putting things together again. Because uh, I haven't heard, candidly, haven't heard much, and um, you know I'm still involved with them. So yeah, yeah, I don't know. Well, uh, I'll of course, get you Alan, an answer for Alan, next week. Alan Weiss was a big champion of that, and of course, we've changed leadership at the hospital. And uh, I don't know if, if anybody is uh, leading the charge on that issue. Oh right? no, no, no! The hospital definitely is very, very involved. Oh good. But I think they've got a lot of other things on their plate. Oh yeah, the 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 um, new CEO, and he's he's been great. Absolutely great. So Blue Zones is, is alive and well. It's they're just taking a uh, um, uh, a sabbatical, I think. Yeah, well, just just to remind our listeners, Blue Zones all about uh, being mi- yep. be- being mindful of uh, of being a healthy community, of eating properly, and just encouraging people to do things that will make them live longer and a happier and healthier life. So uh, yeah, it's healthy living and healthy choices, and um, 
and it worked. It's been working great in Naples. You see people out walking on Gulf Shore and and everywhere else in town, and bicycling, and you know, and heading to Baker Park, and and it's it's just it's been great. It's Absolutely. been great. Well, of course, so, you contributed a lot to that bill. So, uh, any update with regard to the attorney for the city of Naples? No, um, n- not yet. It's it's been um, you know the clock is ticking, Bob, and. Uh, um, they, I, I mean, I, I, I haven't heard anything. I mean, I'll, I get an update usually, you know, once a week or if there's anything going on, but, um, uh, they didn't have a meeting yesterday. They had a planning advisory board meeting yesterday, but, um, uh, they're going to flat run out of time and I candidly have no clue what they're going to do. But, uh, it's, it's, it's very scary. It really and truly is, um. I'll get an update uh, in the next couple of days, and uh, next week we'll t- I'll have an update for you. Fabulous. Uh, any good scoop in Naples? No, everything seems to be. I'll tell you, I mean, I get all my good scoops from your wife, Linda. So, uh, <laughs> you know, when she puts that snippet out, first thing Chris does is read me the snippet, and car carriers are coming down. But what I thought I would do would be we'll do a live snippet uh uh, since we're out of here Saturday and Linda can be on the other end there and re- be reporting live to all her list, all her people that follow her, which is a lot. And we'll say, and now we're live from, uh, Oneonta, New York. There are uh, 47 cars on the road with, uh, eight <laughs> car carriers, uh, seen so far. And we can do that all the way down the East coast. Uh, sounds good. As a matter of <laughs> fact, uh, I've had several listeners say, when are you going to, st- when are you going to have your wife on the show? Now, for, for those that may not know, uh, Linda, yeah. Linda writes, uh, uh, her, her column about paradise and it's actually on my website. I've, I posted all of them, but, uh, she heard she, last time she sent one out, she had 10 additional requests to, to get on the, on the distribution list. So, Hey, listen, uh, you know, her, her news is, is, is great. I mean, she, uh, she tells it like it is and, and lets people know of new restaurants or restaurants that have closed or the, the traffic that's coming in and the, and the car carrier count every week. No, she doesn't do that. But yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, um, she said it's, you know, it's getting busy. I'm telling you, you and I've talked about it. It's going to be a huge season, especially with Florida wide open. Well, I you hope know, you're, I I hope you're right. Get out of here. I certainly hope you're right. I'm beginning to see signs of it, Bill. More and more people are showing up. Uh, and it, this, again, it is a wonderful place to be because uh, there's so many mandates up in Wisconsin in uh, Michigan, still people, these, you know, can't do this, can't do this types of mandates. Right. People should be able to make their own personal decisions and they'll make good decisions. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's going to be a, that's going to be a sticking point for, for as long as you and I talk and as long as this is around, you know, it, it is about personal choice. On the other hand, um, if, if something's proven to, to not work and they, the government feels it can, we can stop it. You know what I mean? It's just, like well, you're right. I mean, so, uh, the biggest ever. So, but, but um, if you're, if you're a betting man and I, I know for a fact that you enjoy poker. <laughs> yes. So, uh, do you think that the Collier County commissioners will renew the requirement of mass, the mass mandate? Oh man, Bob, you, that's a 50, 50. I'll tell you what, um, you know, that's a flip of a coin. Um, well, I don't know. When are they meeting on that? I understand it's going to be uh, uh, before. I think the the current ban runs until the twenty second, and I think they may be meeting okay. this week. And uh, I would suggest the one, the one argument would be: well, we've seen the number of cases go down. Mass must be working. <laughs> but, but there's another. Well, 
CDC has come yeah. out. CDC has come out with a study suggesting that eighty-five percent of the people who got coronavirus uh, actually wore masks all the time or most of the time. Yeah, yeah, and and and, and it's true. And we happen to know someone up here um, just just briefly uh, that uh, very good friends of ours. Actually, we were supposed to go out to dinner with them the other night, but um, their daughter uh, their daughter got it, and um, and then and and she got it from a friend of hers who and they wore masks i mean they're these these are uh young um mm-hmm. young professionals and uh they're pretty careful with it and you know so you're right it goes it it, it goes both ways um and uh you got to do what you're comfortable with well that's you know, that's I'm, that's the point i think you know if you have a compromised immune system you need to take really you have to be very very careful on the other hand right, or someone that you're close to that's compromised right exactly so the you understand all your personal factors and that allows right. you to make those good personal decisions i just i just find it very annoying that the government feels that it really infringes on our constitutional rights yeah yeah, well, listen, all, all I care about is getting rid of this thing, you know, yeah. um, working hard at it. You see Como in New York now, he's got zones, red, red, yellow, orange, blue, I don't know. And, and yeah. you know, they're looking for the clusters of them. And, you know, yesterday we heard, well, there was one um, uh, retirement home that had 45 cases, Bob. Yeah. You know what that does to the number? Yeah, really. You know, and, they, and they did contact trace. They know where it came from and everything. And those are the things that they need to keep doing because that, that will will help but hey listen neither one of us is dr fauci you know that's, what i mean that's thank goodness <laughs> <laughs> so I bill the election's coming up well we only got 19 days until november the third yeah. any thoughts yeah listen i have you been watching um uh judge barrett i have oh my gosh i i think she is amazing i really do um i think she's done and you might disagree with me i think she's done a tremendous job uh, sitting there and fielding those questions, uh, and some of them have been nasty and uh, whatever. But I, th- I think she's a real trooper. I agree with that. I think she, you know I just can't understand why anyone would not support her, whether you're right. Democrat or Republican. She sitting there where she says, well, "We want to see your notes," and she holds up a blank <laughs> tablet. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. I, I think Kamala uh, Harris gave her a hard time yesterday. I didn't get to see the end of that, but. Yeah. Uh, she was holding her own. I'll tell you that. And 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 you're right. Um, uh, you are 100 percent right. And Chris and I feel we feel the same way watching it pretty much all day. And and um, that who in the world wouldn't want to support her? I mean, you know, uh, she, she will do she will do a great job. And if I was Democrat, you know, or Republican, whichever. You got to look at the person, and you got to look at the record and everything else, and listen to listen carefully to what she's saying. Absolutely. So we're on the same page. Yeah, she'd be a great judge. Bill Barnett again, Mayor Bill, a former mayor of Naples. I genuinely appreciate your commentary and your friendship. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, ditto on that, Bob. You have a great weekend and a great day. You as well. Thank you, Bill. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. I had fun and I learned a lot. Uh, I hope you tune in tomorrow. We're going to visit with uh, William Yateman. 
He is a research fellow at the Cato Institute. Always looking forward to talk to him. His orientation is around the law and policy at the Cato Institute, but of course, he loves talking about current events. We'll visit with Emily Moody from the R Street Institute. We'll be talking about juvenile justice reform in Florida. Sharon Kenny is the author of Where Should We Eat? She writes commentary about dining, entertainment, and travel here in South Florida. And we'll visit with Dave Bigo. Dave is the author of the devil at our doorstep, about the travails of dealing with union bosses and their dirty tricks over the course of two and a half years. Always appreciate your comments. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. If you want to get on the news list, subscribe to the, the newsletter that I send out once after every show. Again, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it. i got to find my cursor here. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. <laughs> so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.